This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the year of the leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. Hello, Leading Second. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Clark. I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you've joined us because we've got another great episode in store for you with none other than Pastor Levi Lusco. But before we do that, I wanted to give a quick plug for our episode guides, which you can find at leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. This is a resource we make available to you to help maximize the content of the episode. So you could use it for your own personal improvement in leadership, or it could be a conversation starter with your team. So I'd encourage you go to leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast for the episode guide. For the interview today, Pastor Brandon sits down with Pastor Levi Lesko from Fresh Life Church to talk about this. What are the things your pastor wished you knew? And so without further ado, let's jump in to this conversation. All right, Pastor Levi, welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. So honored. Brandon, thanks for having me, bro. I love what you guys are doing. I'm grateful. It's a resource for for our team and for so many others out there, man. It's an amazing, amazing thing you guys are doing. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for... I mean, your, your church has been so supportive of leading second and your, your campus pastors and stuff, of course, being a part of what we're trying to build here. I just have to say, we, we love, uh, we love you. We love your church, your teaching voice. I, I could, I could gush, uh, for an hour, but it means a lot to us. And, um, I I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for, uh, the example you set for all of us in ministry and just know there's a lot of us out there reading and listening and and tracking with what you're teaching. And we're grateful for you. Man, too kind. So um, today, I just want to get into some good trouble for a minute. I, I love being able to talk to a lead pastor in the context of leading second. I love knowing what pastors think about their team, about, you know, about leaders uh, that are serving the greater vision of the church. And we're calling this conversation today, things your pastor wished you knew. And will you help us just give us the secret sauce today? Because inquiring minds want to know right now. Hilarious. That's so funny. Well, I mean, I, I, I always try and remember, like, I felt the exact same way, probably my staff at times does because I wasn't always a lead pastor. You know, I started right. out as the assistant to the youth pastor. You know, I had four probably cubic feet of, of, of workspace next to the receptionist. And they had to, I had to move the typewriter that was used to like <laughs> hand address envelopes anytime I wanted to work. You know what I mean? So like that yeah. was my start and they would, uh, you know, 
have people come in for counseling in that time before, you know, as our church, we always use professional counselors now, like to refer our church to. But back then, like the pastoral expectation was you would do counseling appointments, like actually counsel people. And so they would oftentimes like ask me to literally as like, three semesters of Bible college under my belt, like do step into marriage counseling. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is a train wreck. But, but people would think it was the worst idea in the world. They would say, <laughs> I want a real pastor. You know, I don't want to meet with, with this guy. Like I looked, you know, so green and so wet behind the ears. And I was, but the funny thing is, um, I always think about that because people didn't want to meet with me then. Cause they wanted to meet with a real pastor, sp- probably specifically the senior pastor and now how ironic that I lead an organization where people don't want to meet with maybe people on the team because they want to get in front of the the man, you know? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, dude, you should I'm talk same to those person. people. You should talk to those people back then because I know maybe less than I do then. Then yeah. I had more theories than I do now, right? So it's just funny. So I guess what I would what do I, what I want team to know is your your senior pastor probably feels just as ill equipped for his job as you do for yours. Wow. He probably feels just as um under-resourced and he's probably tempted just like you are to think that he can't do or she can't do uh, what what's in her heart with the resources they have and probably has on their bad days the same insecurities you do. Like, oh, my point is we're all just people right. and God gives us different levels of authority in different seasons of our life. But the goal is for us all just to be found faithful in what he's called us to do. And I think we can tend to kind of like in our heads put our boss into this category or put people under us in this category. And he's just remembering at the end of the day, like have empathy, have compassion. Cause they're struggling just, just like you are. Right. That's so true. So, you know, my, I'm not a lead pastor, but my, my conversations with them, um, I think I've really gained a heart of empathy for that. And, and maybe that's my first question for you. Take us, take us into the world of a lead pastor. What, what are the tensions that you manage, that you wish your team, you know, maybe they don't have a view of it, but you, you, like you wish they understood, like, man, they, they don't see this about my job. And it, and it feels like tension that I carry in the lead seat. Well, I, f- I mean, I want to brag on my team. I feel like the, our staff and team is so gracious and, and always supportive. And, you know, I, th- I feel like they'd go out of their way to, to let me know that they, they are holding our arms up. You know, I feel like we have, I don't have, I don't have a real like, man, I wish, you know, our team, you know, like I, if they only knew the troubles I know, you know, it's like heavy lies the head that wears the crown kind of a thing. I think, I think we have a really robust team. And right now at this particular moment, though, like every church staff, we've, we've been pruned and we've had people step off and some has been great. Some not so great. That's, that's just normal. And I think it's just been exaggerated by kind of this post pandemic weirdness, which has just caused a lot of people to feel maybe more angst and maybe more, you know, you know, lucrative options out there or whatever else they, they, you know, more than ever, people can go freelance. I think, especially on a lot of church creative teams, people have realized like I can go make twice as much money doing this, you know, in a professional way versus in a ministry way. And that's, that's all normal, you know? So I think, um, all that's, that's, that's great. But, but I, I, I guess, um, I think people maybe don't realize like how much, um, like, we all want the same thing. It just kind of looks a little bit different. I think sometimes the, mm. the, when you're in that, you know, seat behind the cockpit, it's kind of like, you know, you see the, um, the, the photos of the outgoing president, you know, it's like they, yeah. they look aged like in dog years for, for that <laughs> kind of just awareness of all. I think a lot yeah. of us, you know, ha- who have take, want to take shots at wh- whatever 
your your p- political beliefs or hold that aside for a second just i think whoever steps into that role and sees the real dire p- picture maybe goes oh dang like that's right. i had a lot of thoughts about how this was all going to look and i think then you get into you, you get into it and it's it's a little bit easy to to have a lot of like oh it should be this way and you know, that way and, and you know the reality is your boss might be might be just trying to like keep you getting a paycheck and you know has there's so many more things maybe they're juggling than you realize kind of like when you're a kid and you don't realize how much your parents have to kind of sacrifice to keep even put food on the table and you're like I want new shoes for the sport and it's like hey we're trying to make sure we don't lose our house you know so i think sometimes yeah. maybe that's a factor in it yeah i never you know i think about my 10 years on staff at champion center i never one day ever woke up and wondered about my paycheck coming into my direct deposit. Like never, never one day was that a thought to me. And I know probably my pastor, like that was regular, you know, like how do we pay the bills? How do we move this forward? So I think we carry different weight. I I love what you're saying though. We, we, we want the same thing. Yeah. If I could just maybe give an example, like there was a, you know, early on we had our first building project, you know, this is now uh, 15 years ago. You know, we ran out of money. Uh, we were we picked the world's worst time to be in a building project. Yeah, it, yeah. 2008, this major <laughs> recession, uh, wow. one of the worst economic times of my life up, up until that point. And that was when we were going to, you know, build this church out and, you know, making payroll while we were literally running out of money to build the building. You know, just, and it's like, and in, in the middle of all that, like still having to, you know, deal with, you've got to get a sermon, got to, got to, you know, the, the wheels have to keep moving forward. And so I do think there, there are moments when, you know, our team doesn't know, you know, every, every major, you know, battle that's happened kind of maybe behind the scenes to keep things kind of moving forward. I do think there's some sense of um, awareness, like, hey, do you realize how much more it costs for uh, us to put the vision plan and the health care and right. all of those things forward? And I think it's like whatever pinch you're feeling at the gas pump or at the grocery store, your employer is probably dealing with that just as much just to keep those benefits going. And, That's right. you know, so I think, I think just realizing like, Hey, there's a bigger world. And I, I think gratitude all around and empathy all around is, is so important. What are you looking for most in the leaders that are coming up in your church right now? Like what qualities are you wanting to see or, or, or character even are you wanting to see in emerging leaders in your church? That's such a good question. Um, I mean, obviously drive, you want to see drive. You can't, you can't really, I can't put that in you. I can't put, put that in. I can give you, help you give you skills and help give you, you know, learning to preach principles of, of, uh, of, of team building. All those things can, can be given. You can't put in the fire. You know, I'd rather Mm. see mistakes born of initiative, um, critical thinking. So important you know, not stopping at, at opposition the first time you, you hit an obstacle. I mean, there's one of my favorite stories is the story of a, of a, of a, of a coach, a football coach talking to his head recruiter and the recruiter was, you know, getting, getting briefs on what the coach was looking for to fill out that team. And the coach goes, uh, you know, the kind of player who gets hit and falls down and won't get back up. And, and the recruiter goes, yeah, I got that picture. And he goes, I don't want you to recruit that kind of a person. He goes, got it. He goes, but you know, the kind of person who, who gets hit and falls down, but gets back up only to get hit again. And this time he's out for the count. And, and the recruiter goes, yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. He goes, I don't want that player either. 
And he goes, you know the kind of player who will get hit, fall down, get hit, fall down, get hit, fall down? And, and the recruiter stopped him and was, I get it, I get it, I get it. You want the kind of guy for me to recruit for your team that no matter how many times he gets hit, he keeps getting back up. And the coach goes, no, I want you to find me whoever the guy is who's knocking everybody down, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's who I want you to recruit. And I love that story because, awesome. you know, it, it's it's one thing to be able to be, you know, sort of like uh, resilient and be able to overcome obstacles. But that's another thing to be that kind of force who's going to knock some stuff down, you know. And, and I would rather have to ask you to, like, slow down than to be in with a cattle prod trying to get some signs of life out of you, you know. And I, I would by a magnitude of 10, want to have someone on our team who's going to make a mistake of initiative as opposed to someone who, so you know, good. needs needs encouragement and coddling to to get up. You know, like if I have to come and find the starter yank and yank that rope on you to get you going, like that's, you know, I, I'd rather be like, hey, you know what, let's mellow it down a little bit as opposed to, you know, the alternative. So good. It's so good. What does your team do that gives you confidence in them? Like when they're receiving an assignment or direction, something new, what do they do that causes you to have confidence? My biggest thing, and, and this is language that we've in our organization pulled from special teams is and special forces, is something called red teaming. You know, red teaming is where... Mm. Uh, holes have been poked into a plan over and over and over again. Mm. You know, so in, in, let's say you're in a sealed situation, you know, and you're going to go over this invasion. Well, they'll like have the whole plan and the redundancies because in the military two is one and one is none. Right. So you're not going to go in with having one helicopter would be zero. So you have a second, right? And so there's always redundancies and everything. Um, so, but then before the actual mission, they'll assign someone to be an adversary and to come in and be almost hostile in the plan and trying to find the, the holes in it, right? So when when a when a when a half baked idea comes in and we're in a meeting and something's getting presented. And it's, it, it's just clear they had the brainstorm, but they haven't poked holes in it. They haven't troubleshot it, you know, so uh, done any troubleshooting. I think for me, the confidence comes when it's like any objection that I've raised, it's like, yep, we thought about that. And because of that, da 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 you know, it's like layers and layers and layers and layers. Mm. It's almost like it, you would never read a book that hasn't had like, f I mean, every book I've published has had like five rounds of editing, you sure, know, with, yeah. with fresh eyes on it. And it's like someone came in and was the devil's advocate and doesn't matter that I really love this language of this paragraph, like they're, they're fighting for the reader. Right. So I think the same thing, that analytical critical thinking when it comes to, you know, strategy and the groups push and it's like, but not being so enamored with this great first round idea that there hasn't been the kind of, um, attacking of the plan to really see it survive. Cause I mean, at the level it gets to me, I'm going to quickly kind of poke holes in it if and I it's what gives right. me confidence is feeling like that's happened like uh, at Very a number good. of different levels that's really good so then let me flip it on you what does your team do that erodes confidence or erodes trust um I mean any level of let me google that for you you know it's like <laughs> man like we we hit this barrier like I feel like any any kind of time where it's like any opposition and they backed off, uh, it's like, 
really like we didn't we didn't think we could keep keep googling keep trying like any any sense of um what what about what about what about like finding you know like the the whole world where there's a will there's a way and where i feel like people have e- either taken an easy off ramp right uh as opposed to finding another way there and uh and fording it uh and, and not not exhausting it until there is like no hope of something, you know, I think to me that, that feels like phoning it in. That feels like we, we just didn't try hard enough. We took the first no, you know, Jesus talked about the woman banging on the door till the judge got out of bed. You know, it's like, right, right. I want to have that kind of, um, that spirit that's like, dude, we don't take, we don't take no for an answer. Mm, that's really good. Um, let's talk about alignment for a minute because leading second, we talk about that a lot. We talk a lot about Jonathan's Arbor Bear. Go ahead, do all that's in your heart. I am with you, heart and soul. Um, how? What does alignment mean to you as a pastor? Like, what does it mean to you to know that your team is with you? And have you ever been in a season where you didn't feel like your team was with you, where they were out of alignment with you? And how did that feel for you as a pastor? Yeah, I think I, I think that's so important. I, I I do love the concept. I do. I, I there's no doubt God's blessed by unity, like good and pleasant power, oil on right. Aaron's beard. Like these are all really important things. In fact, if if there's unity, then it says the dew of Hermon shall fall on Mount Zion. Mount Hermon's the tallest mountain. Mount Zion's the entire country away. So it's a, it would take a miracle for any dew from Hermon to land on mm. Zion, meaning it's impossible, right? So for that to happen, it's, it's an act of God. And I love that the concept is if there's a, sp- a sense of unity and buy-in, impossible things can be done, mm. right? And so I, I just, I, I see such value in me and in our team all saying like, no, no, we're all in on this vision we believe it's it's larger than any one of us, you know. So for us, we have what we've nailed down as our our values, and our our vision we're pursuing a whole world where no one is stranded in sin. That all have found life and liberty in Christ, and that's bigger than Levi and Jenny. That's bigger than any of us. Like this is, and these are marching orders that I can show you chapter and verse. It's like from the mouth of Jesus what he wants us to be all about. So by nailing that down, the cool thing is, like, and, and, and I would just say to any anyone listening, your senior pastor listening, like, if you haven't kind of like flushed out your your, you know, your where you're going and, and why you're getting there, and that it's not thoroughly biblical, right? I think because I think the trouble with all of the language, it can end up becoming cult-like. Like David Koresh demanded unity too, right? So I think right. what's what's an amazing thing about being able to go like, here, no, look, this is this is New Testament Christianity. This is biblical, and now it's it's larger than any one of us. This is where we're going. There's an accountability to that. You know, the culture, if it becomes something that's not just like you're giving lip service to, but it's actually thoroughly like a part and parcel of your, 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 your organization, the culture then does the policing because in, anyone who's like a cultural misfit or like a prima donna or whatever, like it, it's just, everyone's going to really quickly spot that and not want that, you know? So I think, um, I, I think allowing, and one of the most important things we ever did was when I first like came before our team was like, Hey, I I've, been intuitively doing a lot of these things, you know? So one of our behavioral values is we don't wear Saul's armor. We don't do things mm. just because that's how they've always been done. 
we're not going to hang on to a shield and breastplate if God's called us to use a slingshot. We'll do things no one's doing to reach people no one's reaching, right? So we're not afraid of technology. We're not afraid of chat GPT. This isn't a big threat to us. We're going to find ways to harness it. We started our church in 2007, the same year that the iPhone got released, the same year Facebook and Twitter really blew up. And from the very get-go, from the jump, we've been seeking to utilize new media delivery vehicles and cutting edge tools to, to reach people for the glory of God. So like we're going to always be looking for not just bringing in the Easter plan for 2016, changing the date. Now it's the Easter plan for 2023. Right? So when I nailed down those values for our church and then behavioral values too, and that's by the way, another thing, I mean, Craig Rochelle's done episodes on this. We have a staff right. behavioral values, which are the, the traits mm. that we're looking for in a fresh life employee. The cool thing is like, now it's not just, what I think about this, it's every one of us are clear about the sort of bullseye center of the Venn diagram that makes for a, an amazing Fresh Life employee. And um, we can get you a copy that you could put in the show notes or whatever, where people could download like what those are. Um, but I think that's really helpful. And it gives us all a sense. No, there's not a big nebulous, like, what, is it, what does it mean? Like, no, hey, here's the traits that are going to make for a great Fresh Life employee. Socially smart, humble, driven, fun-loving. Right. And that's so important because it's not, not all, not all driven people are fun loving. And so I think there's a way everybody can kind of know like, Oh no, these are the expectations of me on this team. And, and that's exactly what I hear from you is I hear, I hear the need for clarity. I hear the need for it being biblically sound. You know, I, I hear the need for that stuff dialed in. Let's talk about the moment where a staff member doesn't understand. So they don't understand a decision their pastor made or they don't understand why we do certain things, you know, that, that those kind of things, what would you expect or want to see from a team member in a moment where they don't understand? Because our, our premise, if you have a godly leader, you know, an integrous house, like you can align first and understand second. Like there are moments where we have gaps in the second chair. They, they just exist. Sometimes yeah. the, Church is moving fast. Sometimes, you know, pastors moving fast. So like, what would you want to see and hear from a leader who just quite frankly, didn't understand a decision or a move we're making right now? Yeah, I would think, you know, I was just talking to someone about this yesterday. Like, let's take as, um, you know, uh, as an example, like we've seen people that we've gotten sideways with who met their spouse under our ministry, who have had kids grow up in the ministry, have, you know, maybe they came even to Christ in this ministry, but then one tiny thing got kind of sideways as that burr under the saddle, so to speak, and they're out. Right. You know, and I guess in that instance, I would just kind of, I would be like, do I not have any bankable, you know, credit in your account here? Right. That That there's all these things that you can point to that would hopefully allow you to give me the benefit of the doubt in one area that you're confused in. I guess I would just kind of go back to that in my mind. It's like, we've, we've like that Paul did that. Paul would say like, Hey, you've seen my life. You've seen the conduct of my life. You've watched this. You've seen you, you, you've, you've, I have letters you've wrote me like, Hey, thank you for, you know, this sermon that's changed my life. This changed my life. This changed my life. So on this one issue, I would say just not one tiny thing that you're tempted to get, to get sideways on. Shouldn't the argument of the greater to the lesser be applied Kind of like Paul did when he's like, hey, if God gave us Jesus, how is he not going to freely give us all things? So I know in this one area you're confused or sideways, but I, I guess I would just say to you, if you're confused or angry about your 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 pastor, 
in one decision. And I've got, of course, I'm assuming we're not talking about grievous sin here, right? Of you course. Know, I, I think for, for most people, it's these little things. I, it's, it's like in Africa, the, the, the most dangerous animal to the lion isn't the rhino or the crocodile. It's actually the porcupine. Lions get mm. tiny porcupine quills in their nose or their snout because they're sniffing the porcupine. And then that tiny little quill just stays with them, stays with them, festers, gets infected, and eventually can actually cause, you know, to take the lion out. So it's not this big thing that usually wipes people out. little stuff. Wow. So I would just say, like, give your leader the benefit of the doubt. Remind yourself of all the big things that God's done. It's like, man, in this one area, you know, I, we, we can die to that, that little thing perhaps. And a lot of times it works its way out, right? Oh, totally. I, I, yeah, I have found that so true. I think most of the time, and and even if it doesn't, I've just found if I keep the right perspective, it positions me to be able to be helpful, even if it wasn't the right decision, or even if we did need to change course. And it may you know. very well not have been too. Right. You know, I think we're all dealing with the mist of, of, of war, the fog of war, they call it, right? Like the decisions are going to, are, are going to be um, made that are going to be wrong. And that's partially how we, 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 we fail forward, you know? And so I think like a, 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 the wrong plan executed with all your heart is still going to be better than the perfect one you're waiting on. You know, like Patton said, right? Yeah, that's really good. What I got to, a couple more minutes. And I think something I'm just interested to hear from you on today, our heart at our church right now is really toward young emerging leaders. We need more leaders yesterday. And I think a lot of churches listening do. We, we need to see the leadership pipeline refilled. We have a real heart for young emerging leaders coming up in our, in our church. But I think we're now raising up leaders, uh, um, uh, in front of a really interesting backdrop culturally. We have this really anti-authority thing culturally that I think we're contending with. Um, authority is is a subject our, our world is just getting wrong right now on so many levels. And I think as God's church, we're called to be distinct in this. And I remember a message you did at Team Church several years ago, just on the subject of authority. And it was so good. I'm not asking you to recall that message sure. or anything, but no, but, I could tell you that message like, verbatim. I, it's it's my, uh, <laughs> a, it's a DNA message for me. It's called Over Under, and uh, it's based on a quote that's not original to me, but it's that we can't come uh, to be over what God wants to put us over until we come under what God wants us to be under. And right. I think that's so important because. Um, the, there's a sense in which we all want to pull ourselves out from being under, forgetting that the only thing that comes from that is is actually incarceration. The devil is the devil because he came out from under God's authority. Right. Adam and Eve got into the problem they're in because they pulled themselves out from under God's authority. Uh, so, so I, I, and your senior leader is under authority, under God's authority. I'm under God's authority. Like Jesus is the over shepherd of his whole church. So no one is, is in the first seat truly except Jesus. I'm a second leader too, right? Under Jesus. And so right, I think right. I, I, my, and I'm under my board, like every leader has that, right? So I think we have to remember, remember that the goal isn't autonomy, the right. goal is submission. The power comes through submission and, and yielding. And and I think, you know, if I had one thing I could say to someone who's like in a spot where there's just like that, all that, that the, the forces in their belly, like, you know, wanting to kind of go, you know, all the things, I would just say this, remember this, like your pastor wants you to win. 
He wants mm. you to unleash all the greatness that's in your heart. I know I want that for my team. I want I want them to excel. I want them to lead up. I don't want anyone to be held down. I want us all to run. And I think the the the, the faster, the the harder we're all running, the more that God's going to be able to do. And you know, to see that excel and to see that thrive. And you know, but it's not going to come through bowing up and kind of flexing our spiritual muscles. It's going to come through the greatness Jesus exhibited at the Last Supper: yielding, serving coming under that authority so God can release it, right? Well, and don't you think we need to return to seeing authority as good? That that it is good for our lives. It is it is God's plan. I think I'm so bothered right now, I guess, by the fact that our world isn't seeing sin right now. Our world is seeing systems. And therefore everyone on top of the system is bad. You know, and of course there's a time and a place to have some conversations, but just this whole idea that authority is automatically bad versus I think what I'm hearing you say is that like God's plan for you, it's good. It's good to be under authority. Like what, what would be some of the benefits of a leader just going all in being under authority, serving the authority in their life? Like, like maybe just talk about how it's good. Yeah. Come on. And without a doubt, I think, um, (laughs) I, I, even if, and let's, let's, let's paint with a broom here. Even if, um, your leader, I'm not talking about horrifically sinful, but I'm just talking about, even if they're not making the right calls consistently, God has developed, God is, there's a goodness to that. There's a goodness to yield. There's a goodness not only for you to serve them and, but for you to be developed in the season. And to not take your hand and, you know, touch the Lord's anointed, like David said, like, right. had David taken Saul out, and Saul was a terrible leader. Horrible. You know, he was a, a witchcraft and all these horrible things, but that still, that that protect that was a grace for David that kept David from becoming Saul 2.0. You know, right. and I think back to my youth pastor days, and, and I was, um, I had a boss who was really honestly kind of just a jerk and, and all this, but man... I'm so thankful for that season of my life. I'm so grateful for, because all the chafing and all the, oh, I can't, you know, God was doing something in me that was precious and special. And so my submission to him, even when he was not nice, when he would put his feet up on his desk and say to me, oh, Levi, I remember when I was just like you, very naive and foolish and unwise. I remember the, I, mean, I would be like, I see what you're doing by making fun of you as a young man and saying, you're just like me. You're saying I'm those things. Right. But, but it, it was, <laughs> I, I, I'm so thankful for that season and for how long it lasted and, and that I, you know, um, had imperfectly, but was in that place to be developed. That's how God develops things inside of us. And it is good. That, that Thank you for saying that. It is good. Let me, land the plane on this one and just let you kind of riff on this for a second. I appreciate your wisdom and I appreciate your perspective today. Um, my heart is just really moved for young leaders right now coming up and the, you know, the 20 year old, 22 year old, whatever coming into church leadership, they feel called to lead in God's house since God has something for them. Can you just like speak right to their heart for a minute? Like what would your prayer or your exhortation be to a young leader desiring ministry, desiring to be used by God in, even if it means in the second chair, you know, in this season? Well, I would say this, I would say all of us, first chair, second chair, fifth chair, 20th chair, (laughs) all of us overestimate what we would do with what we don't have and underestimate what we can do with what we do have. 
all of us. Mm. Okay. So for example, my worst day, I go, well, yeah, I mean, I would do that if I lived in Dallas. If I had 12 yeah, million people yeah. in the city, if I lived in New York, if I had a bigger church, if I had more budget, if I had elevation numbers, if I, you know, right, that's, that's all of us. We see like, well, yeah, I would do that if I had 10 talents, but I only got five. I would do that if I had five talents, but I only got two. And what did the guy with the one talent do? He yeah. buried it in the ground. Why? Yep. I'm not a senior pastor. I'm not even yep. an executive pastor. I'm not even in the lead team huddle, right? He hit his talent <laughs> on the ground because he had five talent taste and a one talent budget. Mm. So it's easy mm. to just go, I'm not doing anything because I can't do the ultimate thing, okay? But God is not asking you to do what your senior pastor, what your your boss, your direct report is called to do with their talent. He's saying, what are you going to do with yours? And and I, I actually thought about this. I felt this was from God, Brandon, as we were kind of having this conversation. The world would not have Legolas from Lord of the Rings if there wasn't confinement. Because how Orlando mm. Bloom got that part was he broke his back. He was jumping from one apartment balcony to another with some friends. I think alcohol was a factor and he broke his back and he ended up wearing a back brace and that back brace limited and confined his movement. So he couldn't do big movements and big acting. And he was doing a, 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 a play in London uh, or in Australia. And because he couldn't be big and dramatic with his body, he had to learn to do a lot with his face. So he had to sit still mm. and he had to kind of learn how to do a lot with a little. But he got so good at doing a lot with little that when he went in for his audition for for Legolas, and he was not a known actor at that point, he there was it was because of what he couldn't do that they discovered mm. what he could do. Mm. And so he he could stand there with that intensity, that smolder. He developed it by instead of going, well, what I can't do is going to keep me from being the actor I'm supposed to be. In, instead, he said, well. If all, I, if all I have is my face, it's going to be an intense face. And when you watch Lord of the Rings, you see that intensity. He's got a broken back. He can't move around when he did the audition. That's why. So right now you're in your season. You're tempted to go, well, I can't move my arms. I can't move my whole body. I can't do all this. Hey, what can you do right where you are that's going to honor God? And then trust your leader and trust God to give you more opportunities. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well said. Um, what's, your, what's your prayer for the church in this season? Oh, We're yeah, facing sorry. a lot of interesting asked, times. Um, I guess, um, I don't know. I, my, a mentor of mine uh, likes to say, hey, relax, Levi, we win in the end. Like when you read the book of Revelation, like, hey, we win in right. the end. Like, don't forget right. that. Like, there's always this like white knuckle fear. Oh my God, this moment's worse than any moment that's ever been. Okay, first of all, have you ever heard about World War II? I mean, right. have you heard about World <laughs> War One? I? I mean, it, so let's just... <laughs> Let's just stop with the drama, but then remembering, <laughs> hey, it's bad. Yeah, for sure. All this craziness with 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 fighting pol politically and gender confusion and all the, or the secularization of our country. But hold on a second. How does the story end? If that's the case, then that means God's up to something. So let's just sh let, let's shine with the hope of the gospel we have. And uh, my prayer would be that the church would, would remember that the way the story ends is with, is with Christ's kingdom established on the earth. And we're, we're in a hiccup on the way to that ultimate ending. Yeah. Well said. We're going to leave it there for today. I, I honor you. I thank you. And um, appreciate your investment into our tribe today. It means the world to us, Pastor. Ah, thank you to everyone listening. And uh, thank you, Brandon, for what you're doing. 
find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leading Second and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. 